0: Welcome to episode number 155 of the Northern Miner podcast. My name is Adrian Pocabelli. I am online editor of the Northern Miner, and I also help out with social media. And we have a wonderful show lined up for you today. We have Martin Steven from Rock Tech Lithium. He's the chief executive officer, and he's also a director there. And we go in depth on the lithium industry. I have a lot of big questions for him. As those longtime readers or new readers might No, lithium is a bit of a trickier commodity. It's not as simple as grams per ton. There are different ways of extracting it. And so if you're kind of wondering what's going on with lithium in terms of the particularities of that market, you're going to want to listen to this episode. It's a wide-ranging, in-depth interview, and uh, Martin Stephen is a very nice guy. I met him in person. So that's coming up. Also on the calendar, we have the Progressive Mine Forum that's coming up in less than two weeks. It's on October 16th, and it is where mining and technology converge. And so if you are in the tech space and you have been curious about what's going on in mining, or if you're in the mining space and you're trying to figure out what tech can be used to improve your business... This is the kind of conference that you want to attend. It's in downtown Toronto at the beautiful Mars Discovery District. If you would like to attend, simply go to northernminer.com slash PMF2019 and click on the Register Your Interest button. Also, we have big stories in the palladium space coming up, metal prices, and more. If you want to find us online, go to northernminer.com or you can find us on Twitter, at Northern on Instagram, where we're posting some great pictures from our archive, at The Northern Minor, and on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. So turning to the website, we have a couple of stories here with North American Palladium. Palladium is taking center stage here. Implats just announced yesterday on, so today is... Uh, October 8th. So on October 7th, uh, Implats announced that they've struck a friendly deal to buy Canadian peer play palladium producer, North American Palladium, in an all-cash transaction valued at a billion dollars. So the proposed takeover gives Implats the Lactes Ile Palladium Mine, located 100 kilometers northwest of Thunder Bay, Ontario, which is Implats' first PGM operation outside of South Africa and Zimbabwe. So nice geographical Diversification for Implats. In a conference call, North American Palladium president and CEO Jim Gallagher discussed the company's turnaround and the merits of the Implats agreement. Quote, we have a sale of the company in an all-cash deal at near record palladium prices, and it's for a two-day blip in March of this year at near record high share prices for the company. From virtual bankruptcy four years ago, we now have a sale to the tune of $1 billion. The company has been described recently by two separate analysts that cover us as the best free cash flow operation in their coverage universe. So Gallagher is pointing out that Brookfield Business Partners originally got involved with North American Palladium back in 2013 when it was in financial trouble after a mine expansion that went bad. Gallagher continues in May of that year, the company had tapped out all its financial resources, tapped out the equity market, and was on the brink of insolvency. Brookfield Asset Management stepped in at that point in time and made an initial investment of US $130 million as a loan debt facility. So Brookfield steps in, loans North American Palladium $130 million, but by mid 2015, with Palladium prices weakening, and North American Palladium posting a string of financial losses, the company tripped some financial covenants and was forced to recapitalize its loan agreement with Brookfield that saw the lender convert its debt into equity and become a 91% shareholder. As the saying goes, timing is everything. This is what happens when you run out of money, is all of a sudden financial asset management company comes in and lends you a bunch of money. And if you can't pay that back, all of a sudden they practically own your business. It doesn't sound like the North American Palladium guys are that sad because at the end of the day, they were facing a bankruptcy. So when it's curtains uh, in 2013, 2014, 2015, and you're back to life and here you still, you know, there's still 9% of this company that is not owned by Brookfield. And so, yeah, and it sounds like it's, firing on all cylinders. So, I mean, at least they got the company back on its feet. So that's where it is. So management sounds happy. I'm sure Brookfield's happy of turning that around. And they're selling it at a, you know, at a very good time in the palladium market. You have to wonder, I mean, sometimes these big acquisitions are the signs of bubble-like activity. Speaking of acquisitions, only a few days earlier, North American Palladium acquired 51% of the Sunday Lake PGM project which is near its Lac des mine. So in, in Ontario, there was another project, the Sunday Lake PGM project. And what's kind of weird about this is Sunday Lake is owned by Impala Platinum Holdings, in other words, Implats, and Project Generator Transition Metals. North American Palladium had completed its stage one option terms, vesting a 51% interest by spending $1.5 million on exploration and making payments of $675,000 to major PGM producer Implats and $75,000 to transition metals, which now hold 24% and 25% respectively. So it looks like a bit of a consolidation here. Like North American Palladium got 51% of this sunday lake pgm project and then which was partially owned by implats and then implats came and took over all of north american palladium so here implats is really consolidating it got north american palladium's main asset the lactaseal mine, as well as its share in the new acquisition it just made a few days earlier so, very interesting moves in the palladium space. So, onward to more simpler stories. Sprott Asset Management has invested $2 million in Kootenai Silver. And this is on the heels of a $5 million investment from Eric Sprott in August. Now, the story here says Eric Sprott invested in August, and Sprott Asset Management has done the new $2 million investment. I assume those are separate entities. Either way, it looks like Planet Sprot likes what it sees with Kootenai Silver. On the website, we have another top 10. This is a great one. Top 10 silver companies by market cap. So, you know, it's just always surprises me. If someone asked me, what's the biggest silver company? Would I say Fresnillo at $8 billion? Probably not. And what's the second biggest? Buenaventura at $5 billion? No, I probably wouldn't have thought that either. But maybe that says more about me than anything. Uh, And finally, uh, here's the third biggest. Pan American Silver has a market cap of $4.6 billion. So if you want to see the rest of the list, just go to northernminer.com. I never get tired of seeing these top 10 companies by market cap because it's just full of surprises. And it's extremely educational. Also, we have a silver and PGM commentary. Silver and PGMs give investors hope. This is a commentary by Brenda Boo. She talks about how gold is grabbing most of the headlines, especially since its recent comeback. But other precious metals, such as silver and palladium, are also performing well in today's market, giving miners new hope after a prolonged commodities slump. She quotes Rohit Savant, vice president of research at CPM Group in New York, who said the silver price is rising due in part to market uncertainty related to the ongoing U.S.-China trade war and other factors such as Brexit and funding pressure in U.S. money markets. That funding pressure in U.S. money markets is really uh, one of those stories nobody expected. But continuing, so this is the quote from Rohit Savant. This, coupled with declining yields and the increased demand for portfolio diversifiers at a time of increased stock market volatility, is expected to help drive silver prices up during the quarter. So bullish on silver. Also, we have Bart Melek, head of commodity strategies at TD Securities in Toronto, who has a fairly positive outlook for silver. He forecasts the silver price will reach an average of $19.50 per ounce in 2020. Up from his forecast, $16.43 per ounce for 2019. Silver started 2019 at about $15.44 per ounce and is trading at $17.57 per ounce. And Malik says, quote, we also think there will be a whole lot more investment. Brenda Boo also quotes the Silver Institute that they're saying that investment has, quote, increased appreciably In 2019, it cites, quote, fresh all-time highs for silver in exchange-traded products where 746 million ounces of silver are currently allocated and says global mint bullion coin sales have risen 30% year over year through July. And that report further states how net long positioning on COMEX at the end of July rose to its highest since November 2017, while high silver prices have helped boost related mining equities. The selective global silver miners equity index, which includes international silver mining exploration and refining companies, is up about 14% year-to-date and 19% year-over-year. So you can read more on that on northernminer.com, and the name of the article is Commentary Silver and PGMs Give Investors Hope. You have a beautiful picture of some palladium, a honeycomb-structured palladium, and also this week, we had our uh, story on the inaugural golf tournament raises funds for YMP scholarships. Mining CEOs teamed up with Young Mining Professionals. One of our, We sponsor a lot of what Young Mining Professionals does, and they have great Twitter accounts, and we, we give them a tip of the hat from the podcast here. They do really great work. And I think that organization was started relatively recently, like in the last few years. And already they have the support of a lot of big mining companies such as Barrick. We'll get into that here. So mining CEOs teamed up with young mining professionals in groups of four to raise money for university scholarships at the inaugural Young Mining Professionals Golf Tournament in Richmond Hill, Ontario. The golf tournament on September 23rd at the Summit Golf and Country Club raised $11,000 for the YMP Scholarship Fund, a registered charity that donates 100% of its receipts to students. YMP10 scholarships this year range from $1,000 to $10,000 and are funded by Barrick Gold, Agnico Eagle Mines, IM Gold, Yamana Gold, Anaconda Mining, Ore Finders Resources, and the Northern Miner. This year, $44,000 will be awarded to students who are pursuing a career in the mining industry and are enrolled in mining-related programs for the 2019-2020 academic year at Canadian universities. Another reason for students to listen to this podcast. You're getting some... Nice little hot tips over here on the Northern Miner podcast. Well-qualified post-secondary students in mining-related college programs are also considered. And we just have a little quote from Stephen Stewart. As far as I'm aware, it is the largest mining-focused scholarship in Canada. And uh, yeah, Stephen Stewart is chairman of YMP and the YMP Scholarship Fund and CEO of Orefinders. And finally, we have a story with Hostchild Mining, who has recently diversified into rare earths. Hostchild Mining is mostly known for their gold and silver mines. They have two in southern Peru and one in southern Argentina. And so a move into the rare earth space surprised people a little bit. It's acquiring the Biolantanidos rare earth deposit in Chile for $56 million in cash. And they were already a 6.2% stake owner in the early stage project. Now, Biolantanidos, that deposit contains terbium, dysprosium, prasodymium, and neodymium, rare earth minerals that have permanent magnetic properties that are key in driving the efficiency of motors, particularly electric vehicles, wind turbines, and drone motors. And we have a quote from the CEO, Ignacio Bustamante, The company remains focused on precious metals and on our successful exploration-based strategy. But this diversification gave us potential to acquire a unique deposit in a key industry with expected exponential growth and in a low-risk jurisdiction. We are also excited by the strong geological upside potential which could see the company become a relevant player in the global rare-earth market. We have a couple of comments from analyst Ryan Thomas of BMO Capital said... The acquisition of a rare earth project may leave some investors questioning the rationale to diversify outside of gold and silver. That being said, the initial $56 million investment represents less than 5% of Hochschild's market cap. Given the small size of the acquisition and the fact a dedicated management team will oversee the project, we don't see Biolantanidos as a major distraction from the precious metals business. And perhaps more urgently, Christopher Ecclestone, a mining strategist at Hallgarten & Company out of London, says it signals a new era in the rare earth sector. Quote, This is a massive vote of confidence by a mid-tier precious metals miner in not only rare earths, but more specifically heavy rare earths, and Latin America, which was largely passed by in the rare earth elements boom of 2009 to 2012. Beyond that, it signals that heavy rare earths are going to be majority foreign dominated by 2025, if not earlier. In other words, not Chinese dominated by 2025. It's the start of an era and the end of an era. Eccleston continues, China is facing an increasing shortage of heavy rare earth. As is the West, some chatter suggests that China is now a net importer of heavy rare earths. I guess don't discount rare earths yet. I mean, rare earths have probably been the most unpopular investment of the last five or six years, maybe next to graphite. So perhaps this is the beginning of a turnaround. prices on October 8th. Gold is at $1,498.54. And so just below $1,500. It continues to stay around that $1,500 area. Last week was $1,463. So you are about $25 higher. Silver is at $17.49 per ounce. That's about 46 cents higher than last week and platinum is at $879.31 which is about $6 lower than last week and palladium is at $1651.15 and that also is lower about last week it was 1669 so you're looking at about $17 18 lower copper is of October 4th is at two dollars and 56 cents so it continues to hover near its 52 week lows aluminum it continues at 77 cents one cent lower than last week lead is at 97 cents three cents higher than last week nickel is at eight dollars and twelve cents so that's 22 cents higher than last week and near the highs for this year and tin is at seven dollars and 42 cents so that's just a couple of pennies higher than last week And cobalt is at $16.33. Last week was at $17.01, so cooling off a little bit after its kind of big runoff, it's low. And zinc is at $1.06, which is even with last week. And coming up, Martin Stephen, Director and Chief Executive Officer of RockTech Lithium. We discussed the lithium market, its past, its present, its future, all about how you extract it. It is a wide-ranging, in-depth conversation, and I think we both had a pretty good time. Mr. Stephen is a successful manager and investment advisor with 25 years of experience focusing on investments in the natural resource and exploration sector over the past 10 years. While focusing primarily on exploration companies in North America, Mr. Stephen has built a strong network in Asia, Eastern Europe, and Latin America. In the late 1990s, Mr. Stephen founded and was the CEO of one of Germany's most popular internet companies, providing stock market analysis. The website was purchased by one of the biggest telecommunication companies in Germany. Mr. Stephen regularly contributes analyses and commentaries to leading internet portals in Europe. I hope you enjoy this conversation. It was a pleasure to do this interview with Mr. Stephen, and we will see you on the other side. So, joining me today is Martin Stephen. He's the director and CEO of RockTech Lithium, and he's joining me in studio. And so, Martin, tell me about yourself. How did you get involved in mining? I, I see on the website here, the RockTech Lithium website, you were involved in the internet. Uh, you're from Germany, is that correct? And tell, tell me about yourself. Yeah, I'm from Germany. I'm, uh, I'm a stock market guy, if you want to. I worked
1: at the Berlin Stock Exchange before German reunification. I'm doing my investments since 35 years by myself. Yeah, cool. And um, I'm a commodity guy to some extent, uh, always was interested in commodities. Not especially, to be honest, more other metals.
0: Okay, very interesting. And so you got started in, the? do you say the Berlin Stock Exchange? So that no longer exists, right? <laughs> You're right, the Berlin Stock Exchange officially
1: still exists. Oh, it does. So, it does. as does the Munich Stock Exchange, Düsseldorf does Stock Exchange, Hamburg Stock Exchange. Huh? But, of course, uh, they, they have lost their, yeah, the reason to exist, to be honest. Berlin officially never was a part of West Germany. So, the banks we had in Berlin, they had their own capital to invest in the market. So, Berlin was Quite a nice little stock exchange, a lot of West Berlin companies where well, a lot of movement in these shares were. Mm-hmm. So Berlin was always maybe different to, to Dusseldorf or Hamburg or whatever. Or you Frankfurt. Know, always, I mean, isn't the main one Fra- Frankfurt? Frankfurt was always the main exchange. Okay. But the next one to some extent was Berlin, because uh, these banks had their own portfolio working in Berlin. After reunification, it was all put together under Frankfurt's jurisdiction and the necessity to have Berlin as a place to trade these shares was gone. Okay. That's about the end to some extent to the Berlin Stock Exchange.
0: Very interesting, and I notice your, your stock is listed both in uh, Toronto and the Venture Exchange, I believe, and in Frankfurt, right? Not in...
1: only in Frankfurt, um, and on all these exchanges
0: we have uh, trading Australian, volume... Are uh, London? In, in, uh... in, in, in,
1: no, no, but all the stock exchanges. Oh, we, are, we, are, we are traded in Munich, we are traded in Stuttgart, oh, interesting. and we are traded in, in Berlin again. Uh-huh. And not at the Berlin Stock Exchange, but at TradeGate, okay. which is a new computer exchange, oh. which is really fascinating. Deutsche Börse has a part of it, not okay. to be left behind. They are the most volumes traded in Frankfurt in, in, in
0: TradeGate. Okay, excellent, excellent. And now, how did you become involved in the lithium space? You said you came out of precious metals and commodities uh, as part of uh, the Berlin Stock Exchange and being an investor, part of the German sort of financial community. How did you end up with the Rock Tap? I-, I-, I tried company? to keep this. Uh... Yeah, in uh, short, also, if you can. Absolutely. Because
1: I had not always only worked being a private investor and um, investing in, in commodity stuff. I worked for a German television company between 1994 and ninety eight, which still exists. It's NTV, the, the news station. Oh, yeah. Station. Sure. Uh, a lot of people have it on the screen. Yeah. And um, they have this information about stocks and bonds and all this kind of stuff. I worked there at the um, uh, the business channel Taylor Bursa, and I ran into some interesting guys. Still, some of them are still my my best friends I have today. And one of these guys was Dirk Harbeker. And in 1998, Dirk and I and uh, some other guys decided to uh, move to the internet and get stock market information out of the television thing and radio thing to the internet. Mm-hmm. We were not the first one doing this, but we had the best ideas. So when we started in 1998 in September, it only took 18 months that we were taken over. At least partly we were taken over by United Internet. Uh, still 1.1, still a huge company here in, 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 in Germany. Yeah. And then of course our ways um, moved separately. So I, I always had information about what Dirk was doing. Um, but he was into his own stuff, and I was better in my investing stuff. And Dirk was the one who got uh, involved with RockTech.
0: Okay, and did Dirk start
1: RockTech? No. Dirk um, was addressed by a geologist by coincidence that this company, RockTech, has some financial problems, mm-hmm. but it has a huge, uh, very interesting lithium project. Mm-hmm. And uh, if Dirk would like to be involved in this, by financing the, the, the company and uh, give it a next shot. And, and what year was this? This was, I'd say, two thousand twelve or 2013,
0: I think. Okay, so that late, in a sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But RockTech yeah. was always the company, at least for the last 20 years, who owns the Georgia Lake project in
0: Ontario, Thunder oh, Bay, right. so where we are will talk about. Right. Which is your guys' main project. Absolutely. Right. And I was Dirk's advisor to this time. Dirk
1: was always aware that I'm the guy he can rely on information. Sure. Yeah. But he asked me after he has made his first (laughs) investment. Um, So this was a little bit of bad luck, but because I was not very excited about his investment, I told him, frankly. You weren't excited. No, I wasn't. Because the price of lithium was at, let's say, $5,500 ton for common equivalent. And his idea was that it moved, that will move much higher because of the new smartphone lithium-ion batteries. Sure, battery. And absolutely. And there was, of course, a little rush because of that. Yep. But in the end, as it turns out, one of these batteries only needs two grams of lithium. For example, a Tesla battery needs 30 to 25 kilograms of
0: lithium. Interesting. Now there was a big run like in the stocks, isn't that right around yeah, 2012, it was. 2013? Yeah. Absolutely. It was like really when well. not much was happening as yeah. far as or at least like and graphite and lithium. Absolutely. Took off and it was like yeah. the the one thing nobody had, you know, yeah, invested this in.
1: This is because of the cathode side of the batteries. Yeah. which are using, uh using cobalt and um,
0: lithium and, and nickel, right, and on right. the other side you,
1: you, you need
0: graphite. So would you say the launch of Tesla was a turning point then for the lithium industry?
1: Yeah, to, uh, and to a to huge magnitude, because to some extent by building their own batteries, um, the demand was really there from one second to another. When the Gigafactory was 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 built, it was clear that the demand will come up. Yep. Tesla um, made it together or made a decision together with Panasonic out of Japan to build these batteries. So even today, Panasonic is the the unit which produces the battery cells Tesla,
0: for for Tesla.
1: Yeah, in the Gigafactory. Huh. So that's their joint venture. Yeah. Um, Interesting. And of course, Tesla moving to the market finally get the implication that all the other car makers were forced to at least to some extent to go ahead to electric cost tools. Then right. If I mean, Tesla would be successful, then they would um, have to the whole market for themselves, so they had to they, go for it. They would have had three or four or five years an advantage. Yeah. Which could be a lot. Yeah. Um, so all these other companies, especially Toyota and the German ones, uh, had no other choice than to go a little bit electric. Yep. Yeah. And the Chinese were really, in the end, the, uh, the ones who are making the difference because they have another reason for uh, using um, electric cars. For Tesla, it was always being hip, being modern, being new, being trendy. The polluting stuff for the environment, for the U.S. guys, is not as important. Uh, than, let's say, in, in, in Europe or in, in China. In China, it was a necessity to, to stop pollution. Yeah, the scale of the amount of cars. In, in, so this was yeah. the reason why the, uh, the state, the, the, the federal government, got involved so heavily in this, right. forcing an... their own companies to go electric. Yeah. And in, in Germany, which is funny, the, the reason why people in Germany really now love electric cars is we would like to be ecological friendly, our footprint is too big, we would like to be better persons, we feel better. This is a point
0: of, of German pride too. They want it, Germany wants to be an, it's, a it's, good environmental citizen. Absolutely. And right? it's
1: spreading
0: through Europe. This time it's spreading.
1: Sometimes right. Germans have their own stupid ideas uh, <laughs> and are isolated with that yeah. and that's good. Yeah. <laughs> but sometimes the German mindset... Which is easily spreading into Austria and Swiss because same language, is now spreading into into France, uh, Scandinavia of course, Norway is a huge area for cars, Netherlands. So this is really spreading. It's like a cancer. It would be negative, but or it's a negative word, but it is like a cancer. It's viral. Yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's, a, it's a viral thing, and, it, it, and even in, in 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 today's days, it's uh, it's a huge change what people see when it comes to the future of European cars.
0: Okay, so very interesting. So that was a game changer for the market. And so where do you see it today in 2019? Where is the lithium market? Uh, What is the situation as far as you can tell? China has come on board. The world seems more ready for electric vehicles. It's not 2012, 2013 anymore. Where are we now in the lithium space? We
1: are in a very, very extraordinary situation that what will happen to the lithium market has nothing to do with us in this moment. Because what will come to the market beginning in the next three to four months and spreading to 2020, 2021, by huge rates of improvement is now in this moment, a dead market for the lithium metal because of oversupply of hard-rolled exxonium concentrate in China, because their converters are converting whatever they can. But China China is lagging in building new converters. And the Australians were very successful in mm-hmm. providing.
0: We had a um, story on that recently absolutely, how yeah. Australia we're, has been sort of taking some of the market from Chile. Absolutely.
1: I, 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 it's right. a great, a, really a great shock of these Australian companies were, were able to do. Uh, so much hard rock lithium coming out of companies like Pilbera or, or others. And, you know, hard rock lithium to some extent is the better way to go for battery cells as it turns out in this moment. And and,
0: uh, can you help us out on that hard rock lithium without going too into depth, but we have a lot of students that listen to this podcast. I think a lot of adults would be... uh, There there are two sources uh, out of... Professionals. For for, for lithium. Yeah, thank you. The main
1: source, of course, are these huge brine deposits. Normally these in, these in, lakes, so these lakes, at the, at, uh, at the Atacama in Chile, Chile Ar- Argentina, to some extent, Argentina. Yeah. Um, in theory, in Bolivia, what will not work in the next ten years? I can show you this. Okay, there's lots of speculation about this. Will not work. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell uh,
0: my my <laughs> girlfriend is Bolivian
1: I'll, I'll be sure. Yeah, to her yeah. Uh, but uh, these are the biggest companies in the world. Um, are the companies who have access to this Cheninian uh, brine deposit in the desert. Okay, so, and this is, is it called soft rock lithium or just no, brine? No, this is, this is brine? brine salar production. Right. In the end, it's a salt. What they do is um, they, they use these salt seas mm-hmm. and stretching up the first layer, layer yeah. of these kind of salt. And then there's the evaporation process, yep. which takes 18 months. And the good thing in Chile is, in this area there's no rain. So there's absolutely no rain, not a little bit of rain, there's no rain. So it's always 18 months and then you can use this kind of chloride and put it into, by a process of course, by a
0: chemical process, into um, carbonate. Okay, yeah, and make. the pictures you see of, you, of these places that don't rain, they're gorgeous, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Incredible pictures yeah. out of that part of the world. Okay.
1: Even Argentina, which is not so far away, but they have some rain there, so it's a little bit different there.
0: Oh, interesting. So, so, so it's the article that we just had, it was talking about how Chile has some of the most favorable conditions for uh, lithium. But now Australia has come in with this hard rock lithium? Or There was always some hard rock
1: lithium um, in the world, but... It was too expensive. Uh, quite often, to to put it out of the ground because mm-hmm. of chloride, what's so easy to do. But you know, the problem with Chile is this is no longer a third world country. It's very very difficult to get no licenses, no permittings. That's exactly what was Ch- mentioned. Ch- 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 the government, government now they have policy. Absolutely right. They would like to have much more royalties there, and you know in the end, this process is damaging the salt sea. So the hmm. biotope in the end and tourism will go down. Yes, yeah, so there's, there's an environmental, environmental problem. Absolutely. problem. And okay. Chile is not in a position at this moment to say, hey, we, we have no money, uh, whoever wants to destroy our environment, come in and, and take out what we want to. Okay, so This, this is f- the first world country now. So this is the reason why it's quite more difficult to get new permits and use more or double your production if you want to. And you have not only to double your production to feed the lithium market in the next 10 years, you have to 4, 5, six fold your production. So this is the reason why for hard rock, lithium now is a place. Interesting. There's one other thing which is in favor of hard rock because out of brine deposits, chloride, lithium, you can only convert this into carbonate. Most of the battery factories, which are, trying to produce these battery cells have decided to go
0: for lithium hydroxide and does that does yeah. Listen, forgive me? Does, and that comes from the hard rock lithium or no from, or yeah from either from like? either
1: but when you when you have chloride you have to first produce carbonate and then yeah. hydroxide okay so have a step in between right and this step is so expensive that it turns that Alright, it fits the way that, that hard rock lithium is the same price than hydroxide. So is
0: that the ultimate advantage of hard rock lithium is in a sense you can... And the step lower step. impurities. Right. So it's a lower cost. And, and sorry, the lower... Impurities. But
1: this is a thing, you know, it's very, very early to, to talk about this. But I, I can assure you, we will get an impurity problem with some battery cell makers coming up in the next years. Because... Yeah. For these kind of batteries, and this is the difference between the batteries you need for, for smartphones, that they are really work for cars and are chargeable, rechargeable in a way which is necessary for cars. They really have to be 99.99xx sure. sh- yeah. like or pure lithium. Yeah. And uh, as it turns out, the chances to have these high qualities are higher on an average scale hard rock than with brine deposits. On the other hand, these cell makers are in a position to to work with both. But, you know, we are in this moment in a market which really needs as much batteries as it can get. And the well-known battery makers, I think, will not have any problems with the purity and the recyclability of their project, mm-hmm. but there will be so many small battery makers in the next years, which nobody knows, out of China, who will be feeding the market, that I
0: think some of these car companies using these kind of batteries will run into trouble. Interesting. Okay, so speaking of China then, and in, so where is the market now as far as you see it? Uh, like uh, Germany had the Volkswagen scandal it sounds like they're going into electric cars like uh, so is do you see demand picking up i mean that seems to be like yeah. the, the obvious sort of trajectory here but w- how do you see things now in the lithium market? Like, uh, where are we?
1: Sunday was the last day of the International Automobile Conference and Frankfurt, the international stuff, where you... Maybe the most important of these conferences where all companies are and people are always exciting, especially in Germany, about these new cars. Sure. And this time was the first time that activists uh, took over the show and uh, were addressing the car makers by still holding on to their high-powered, unnecessary, exhausting uh, gas using gasoline, yep. using diesel, diesel. Yeah. And, you know, even the Britta Thunberg and Hansel mm. yep. in yeah. in the United Nations um, you know, this is very impressive. and um, I, I
0: get the impression that this environmental issue is coming back with a vengeance. Like it sort of got quiet for exactly. 10 years and now it's coming back. We will see
1: a totally different world in the next six months when it comes to Germans asking their car dealer for the next car they should buy. And, you know, I can understand that German uh, car makers until now Never are very in the front seat to to go electric because they're the biggest profits by, by using the conventional uh, combustion engine cars. So why should they force this when they have? These sure, cars? there's there's no financial Absolutely, upset. but this is this is over. They know that you know the German zeitgeist and it's kind of European zeitgeist has. Totally um, developed into something new and shifted. It will be very, very rapidly now that, that people would like to buy at least hybrids, some of them even full electric cars. Especially VW will provide the market with a lot of these cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, BMW officially is um, not going in this direction or is more careful. But knowing BMW, when they see that this will happen, they will, they will be there to have enough stuff. And there's always a question of hydrogen instead of sure. electric. Yeah. Um, very interesting. VW has made us absolutely clear that for them, hydrogen is no solution. They will I've heard on.
0: it's too dangerous. I don't know. My dad was a physicist, and it's, he used to say it's just funny too thing, volatile. You know,
1: we're we we always learning. The danger thing, I think, is made up, to be honest. But... As it turns out, hydrogen, when you use hydrogen, which comes out of technical processes, when it's a kind of waste or byproduct, has more dangerous stuff in it like carbon dioxide and other stuff, which is not climate-friendly, than than gasoline. So when we're talking about hydrogen, we're talking about this perfectly made hydrogen out of factories. Sure. And this hydrogen is more expensive even in Germany to fit a of, fit a car than right. than the, the normal stuff from your plug-in.
0: So these so, smart batteries, these lithium-based nickel uh, yeah. based batteries there, are there, still there will cobalt.
1: Be, we will see hydrogen um, as 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 huge things for bigger vehicles. Yeah. And we will see it in Japan because they have an infrastructure for this. Two thousand twenty Tokyo Olympic Games will be a huge show for hydrogen. Oh hydrogen? Yeah yeah the Japanese will uh, put everything on hydrogen, which is uh, putting people to the stadium, putting uh-huh. the, uh, the athletes to these things. So this will be a huge show for hydrogen, yep. um, which I like or I, I love to see because you know for huge entities, hydrogen is working mm-hmm. and, um, but not for or to a less extent to, to normal cars. So and this will give hydrogen
0: maybe a push in Asia, but in US
1: and, and um, Europe, um, it's all about electric.
0: Yeah, so you're not concerned as no, part absolutely. of RockTech no, no, lithium no. Uh, the demand? Uh, for hydrogen your... will be uh, a niche market, a yeah. very, very sm- small niche market. market. Interesting. And a uh, quick thing just on the metal prices before we talk about what you guys are specifically working on in Canada. We've been following metal prices and we see that nickel has actually been quite strong and also cobalt has been very strong as well. What, but now do, has do you collapsed have... again. Has it collapsed? Yeah, Not, totally like, collapsed. Like in the last week? Or no, like, no, no, no. Well, no. I see in the last year. In the last year. Because I've been looking at uh, yeah. cobalt in the last two months and it's actually been quite strong, but this yeah, is off a huge absolutely. crash. So, uh, what are your thoughts on metal prices and does this that is, factor into uh, your uh, situation? Yeah, um,
1: start with lithium because this is the easiest one. Sure. Be- because yeah. of the very successful Australian companies putting the hard work uh, projects to work yeah. and just put this hard stuff on the next vessel and put it to to China. The prices right now. This moment where we speak are low. For example, um, the spot mean prices are let's say five hundred fifty to six hundred dollars ton for five and a half to six percent
0: concentrate, and we were double as high two years ago. Okay, and quick. Can you do a quick spot, you mean? What is that for our students that are listening and this everybody is, else too? This <laughs> is
1: the stuff what a hard rock project has as a production. So it's an it's extract? A, it's it's an oxide.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Hard rock projects have a lithium oxide at the end product. This is what we will get out. Then of course we can concentrate it okay. by sediment, gravitation stuff. Yep. So in our case, which is typical 1%, Lithium base, yeah. you can easily put this, or you should be able to put it to five to six percent, and this kind of stuff oxide five to six percent yeah. sells for five hundred fifty to six
0: hundred fifty US dollars. And this oxide account. is is spodumene Another word for describing this concentration? Spot, yeah, because
1: it could be spodium is the uh, geological thing how it is named. Sure. M- okay. Most of Spodumene, you got mica, you got maybe uh, clay stuff, but Spodumene mm. is, is, is the stuff um,
0: okay. for hard rock uh, okay. And Excellent. And just a quick little question, that I want to go back to this metal price issue. And so the brines, the Salazars in Chile, do, do, can they create Spodumene? Or no, do they don't have. So to. it's only a product, as yeah, you yeah. say, of the hard rock mm-hmm. lithium. Uh, mining, and this is the stuff which goes out of Australia because they don't have no uh, salars; they only have hard rock. Right now, uh, so who needs spodumene? Do you need spodumene in car batteries? Like who, who uses, or, or is it just a you way can both, of getting? You working? can use the chloride from the, the salars, and you can cellars. use so, the spodumene. Both you can use. They're both. both usable. You
1: exactly. They have to be converted into stuff the battery cell makers need. Okay. Both have to be converted, which is a huge chemical process. For this you need plants which are costing 100, 200, 300 million dollars. And then your product which you finally get out of feeding chloride or sputumine is carbonate or hydroxide, depending on which company wants what. It would depend on what your goal is. Exactly. What what your goal is and the reason why hydroxide is in in higher demand right now than carbonate is that it's working with higher temperatures and higher temperatures are... I'm not a chemist guy, <laughs> yeah. but what I, what I understand is it's better for these impurity things we, we talk oh, about. Oh, interesting. So it all, um, yeah, it, it all <laughs> fits in the end. When you got involved in lithium, you really have to understand to some extent the, uh, the chemical process. It because it's very not much only so. my It's not only mining. Same if you want to, a little bit like rare earth, you have to understand what these little things in the end... What they're being used what for, used for and they Everywhere, oh. as a library... And here you have to understand the chemical process. Interesting. This is, there's not enough lithium there to feed in the end these battery cell makers. Absolutely. They're, it will never be enough. But in this moment, there is, because we have a bottleneck at the converter stuff. The next Chinese converters will go into operation in three to nine months. Okay. And these huge giga factories, which will do their own converting to some extent, will be fully built over the next one to two years. so the demand really will explode in the next time frame of let's say six to six months or three years and there are still more battery factories being built, and they're still not making a decision by these car makers if batteries are making is an original process the car maker should do, or is it only a product which I could buy on the open market? Sure. Tesla yeah. gave already the answer for them. It's part of the company. They have their own cell making in the company.
0: Um, um, but you were saying Panasonic does, yeah, but, it, but it's, it's a JV. It's, it's part of Absolutely. The and it's only working umbrella. there. It, yeah. Exactly. It's, it's, it's their initiative. Yeah, Because Don't. Tesla was not in position. To, to do it. Sure, they didn't have the expertise. Absolutely. Income is ex- expertise. Panasonic of all And,
1: and uh, Daimler benz always decided, we don't want to have something to do with that. This is not our business. We buy the cells. Sure. And BMW, same thing. And VW were always a little bit open to both, and now they decided, that's from last week, yes, we will do, we have to.
0: We will that's have to do our own cell Interesting. And So they, have they all changed their mind, or just VW, for, for example, but they're all going they, to have to? They, like they
1: all see the problem that they not rely yeah. on contracts with Chinese producers.
0: And this purity and issue, is that no, also no, That's no, not no, no, involved? No, no, okay. no, we will see
1: about this purity thing in the future, so sure. this is not involved, I think. Sure. Uh, but, of course, now seeing the problems with the tariffs between the U.S. and China, there could be easily a decision out of Beijing to say, hey, unfortunately you will not get your better results because we put on some export quota on this or whatever. Sure. So European comicists now understand that having a contract and having the stuff is not the same.
0: Right. They so have to be independent.
1: Reason, absolutely. I see. Um, this is the reason why even Chinese same makers now have the idea to have production out of China, to be in the end, not be part of some... Yeah. Political decisions coming. Sure. On. Yeah. So um, this is all working. By by the way, I don't know what Diamondbacks is really up to, but at least Diamondbacks decided, uh, had decided last week or two weeks ago, that they will not work on new combustion engine technology.
0: That this sounds like a landmark stopped. decision. That sounds like a, a once-in-a-century decision. <laughs> they have really so, they have. They're, they're in, so they're not going to continue technological development? Absolutely. Yeah. And, the, and is the implication then that they're going to go electric? I mean, what, what else? else? Right? They
1: were well, working for 25 years the with the hydrogen thing. They were never in a position to put it to the market. So this was the first thing for Daimler was always go cool for hydrogen. It didn't work out, so I think they have learned that it has to be electric.
0: Okay, and you're saying that there's not enough lithium out there, and is that what you're saying? That there, there will not be enough lithium to supply the market, and by a lot, or by a little, or by 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 a by a lot, but this will only show up in three years. Right, because I mean, now what about this whole thing? Because people have talked about peak gold in the past, and then what often happens is well. <laughs> Processing gets better, people find lower yeah. grade mines and Absolutely. That, it, it all it always seems to work out. We
1: we will see the same same in lithium when it comes to a ten year time frame. Mm-hmm. We will see recycling which is not working at this moment because the recycling part will be too tiny mm-hmm. um for the lithium part. Recycling works for cobalt uh-huh. um, but not for lithium. In this moment, we will see this coming up. In in, in ten years, I think, uh we will have other processes, other possibilities sure. for the market. We will not run out of lithium. This yeah, in happen. a sense, that's
0: a question. No. Like it's like, but we will it, have a
1: huge scarce? bottleneck. And this is already clear because we know how long does it take to put a project into production, regardless if it's Brian it's yeah, no, no, or how, it's hard rock.
0: How long does it take? Uh, like 10 years?
1: Uh, I do In theory, uh, 5 to 10 years uh, when it comes to hard rock and hard uh, in theory, five years, to seven years when it comes to brine deposits. Right. So you're looking
0: at this two or three years from now, you see a huge problem. A- absolutely. Supply deficit. Uh,
1: the, the Australians, whatever they could put easily into production, they, they did. Yeah. Great job. No question about this. It, it hit the prices a lot. So they were the ones who really uh, have now to make a decision to step back a little bit from production because they killed their own market to some extent. Like they oversupplied it? Or? Yeah. Because the, the huge brand deposit companies like SQM, Alba Morley, uh, FCA, they, they have long-term facilities to supply the market, mm-hmm. so they were not in a position to accept spot prices. That made the delivery um, contracts years ago, but the Australian stuff was always related to spot prices, and spot prices collapsed, so they had made <coughs> the decision that they have to shut down a little bit of new production. Right. Alba Company did it too. So they're almost um, too successful at... Absolutely, uh, at very, pr- success, very successful to deliver, Yeah, and they always delivered. I think they were not aware of this, because the Chinese will not tell you how much converters there are, how much stuff they can convert, mm-hmm. and for them it's good that prices are low as they are right now. For China. Of course. Yeah, sure. Um, they, they, they have no lithium. That's the a different thing to Rare Earth. Rare Earth, they are in command of the product, and yeah. in, in lithium they are not. They need the lithium to convert it, and feeding their car makers and their battery cell makers. But now the whole market, because of the terror thing, is in the turmoil. Everybody knows that it's not good enough to have a contract with a Chinese company to supply BMW, Peugeot. Fiat with the battery cells because Beijing can
0: always say no, so we do not. So are prices of lithium going up? Are they steady? Uh, where are they?
1: Are... You have the problem that the the weak. What do you mean? Uh, hard rock concentrate prices yeah. are putting a little pressure on hydroxide carbonate too. Mm-hmm. Um, prices are still good enough to that everybody is happy this is what, what we do as check. we always have to think about when the market will turn. Next year will turn. Prices will go higher,
0: mm-hmm.
1: not explode. We'll go higher, we'll see a bottom, and then they will go higher.
0: Mm-hmm. but
1: 2022, I don't know where prices will be because it will be very, very tough for the industry to get the lithium.
0: Interesting. Okay, so let's talk about what you guys are up to then in Canada. You have that main project. What is we it? have our Georgia Lake project. Georgia Lake. That's right. the We're name of the, the... In, of the uh, of the project in Ontario, in you know, Ontario and uh, so we have
1: forty uh, million tons, which is for a harder project, maybe an average size. Mm-hmm. We have one percent lithium, and we are already in a permitting. So we have done all our stuff when it comes to drilling. And is this hard? Printing. Is this, this hard, hard rock? Hard rock. So there are no cellars. Yeah, I, I would assume, no. but uh... and. We think we could be in production in three years. and uh, which From would, today? Which of course would be good because this is the time frame where sure. you think prices will be much higher than today. But of course, what we do at this moment is all this permitting stuff.
0: And how are you finding the permitting process? Are you happy it takes, with
1: the, it? To... It takes time and money. You know exactly what you will get. You have to use people from the area. Thunder yeah. Bay is a mining district. This is very sure. easy. The First Nations we have to work with they're helping us. It's good to have them. They're experts they, in They're really land. experts in mining and this kind of stuff. And they love the project. They, they like RockTech And they like to see that something's
0: happening there. So they're really helping us out. It's, it's, it's it, great it, to have them. Have you created like a formal agreement with them? Or how does that work? Uh, um, or is it just basically an informal partnership? You maybe, hire them? Yeah,
1: know. yeah. We, 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 we hire them. And uh, we always do. I think we don't have a formal agreement with them. The only thing what they would like to, to, to have is to be involved in the process. You're right. And you guys are more than happy to be exactly. involved. So And we need people on the ground there. So yeah. whenever we do drilling or trenching, um, they're part of it. Yeah. Um, and, and now we have to care about tests for water, water pollution, what kind of wildlife is crossing yeah, our area, certainly. these things. This is all done by local people, not, not only, of course, only to some extent, First Nations, but even these companies are working with them, so, sure, okay. yeah, for them, it's, it's uh, they're experts in, in, in this area, which is good.
0: Yeah, no, excellent. And so this is the main focus, the project is, and so Georgia Lake, is this the main focus of the company? Absolutely, and it's the only focus we have at this moment. Right. Because and is there uh, any infrastructure issues? Like tell, me, tell me a bit more about the project this, itself. This is a good thing about the
1: Georgia Lake project. There's no lack of infrastructure. We have everything we need. We have streets. Close by, or even in the project, we have energy there.
0: It's close to Thunder Bay, you said? Yeah. Like how far? To Thunder Bay, it's 150 kilometers.
1: Okay, so an hour and a half drive. Absolutely. Yeah. And people living there, so we don't have to work with a camp. People come and go and mm-hmm. go to their. Home areas where they live, yeah, and there are, we have only—that's a, a big deal. We have a That's railroad right. there, which we, uh, which we could use when it comes to shipping the stuff. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a harbor in the end. If we would have to put this to a different continent, whatever, everything is there, and. Mining is understood there, so we're not right. having discussions about things which are not used when it comes to to pollution things. If we would use this chemical stuff or this or that, and we don't have to tell the whole you don't need to re-educate everybody. Absolutely, on it's the, not
0: necessary. For educate everybody. And but yeah. we,
1: we learned that infrastructure to have a very good infrastructure is so important. It seems crucial. <laughs> ab- absolutely, it really keeps the costs down. Sure, and that it. Makes it much easier to to get on production in a way that you are in command. There are other good projects around uh, more to the north where they have higher grades of lithium and even um, the projects are a little bit bigger, but they have so much money to invest into infrastructure and
0: there's no power there. You always have to use diesel, Mm -hmm. uh, whatever. This really is this a big project? Like, how do you feel in terms no, of... No,
1: no. Georgia Lake is an average, um, compared to the Australians, it's a small project. Okay. But what does it mean? In our PEA, um, we have at least 10 years of 100,000 tons of, of stuff which we can produce. And to be honest, there's much more lithium there. But we don't explore anymore for that. Sure. Uh, as I told you in the beginning this is this investing story, we try to keep our costs down. Mm-hmm. We only have 34 million shares outstanding, but you don't want to dilute when it's unnecessary. We know that there is much more lithium, will we drill for it? No, we will get it out. Sure. When time comes.
0: Yeah. Okay. Excellent. And uh, is there anything else you'd like to talk about uh, regarding the project or? I think the project… Or just in general? The, the project
1: for us, is, is um, that's a good thing, looks not to be very complicated. So we don't see any negative uh, surprises coming up with the project. Simple project. We have so much of the uh, of the old results out of the 50s. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the new ones we get with our drilling and trenching. So we know exactly what is there. And there's more stuff which is still inferred or not even inferred. And as I told you... Sometimes it makes no sense to put this into a new, huge forty three one oh one. Sure, because sometimes you have to just start get it out. Yeah. And our project already is big enough to be very economical, But to be honest, price of 550 to 600 in this moment um, is not very favorable to get in production, even if in our PEA it comes up with, let's say, 350 to 400 yeah. uh, dollars a ton for costs. But we are very, very sure that we will see at least seven eight nine hundred again in 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 three years, and even higher numbers when the market really finds out there's no other way to use lithium. It takes much more time to find something else mm-hmm. um and it has to
0: be lithium, and they have to get it from somewhere okay, and my final question is and, and what is the end game here? Is it to build the mine yourself or is it? Uh, you create a great project, and someone helps you in out. A, a in, a, in, and- a, in
1: a perfect world, from our side of view, it would be a takeover when we have the company a little more into the mining goal. Building a mind that someone will knock around and say, hey, this is far enough from now on, we take over. Sure. There are other projects in the area we could consolidate maybe to even make it a bigger project or a district of lithium. Sure. So this is all in the cards, it's all possible. It was never done. Um, I think Ontario would like the idea. Close to us is General Motors and Ford, mm-hmm. uh, Michigan. So this,
0: they're aware of us, they okay, yes. They know about Ruttek. Okay, excellent. Well, thanks, Martin, for joining me today. It was a fascinating discussion on lithium. And uh, yeah, we look forward to hearing from you in the future. It was a pleasure to be here. Thank you again for listening to the Northern Miner podcast we appreciate you listening today and every week and if you'd like to share the podcast feel free to do it online on social media or you can email it to your friends and one thing about the social media if you guys are sharing our podcast or our content online i more than happily retweet that stuff so if you're on twitter make sure to tag us if you mention us and we'll retweet you within reason of course also if you want to help the podcast you can also give us a review in the apple podcast directory that really helps us rise up the ranking so until next week take care